This is a Federal News Network podcast. Issues with the Thrift Savings Plan member access system have persisted for more than a month now. Long wait times and dropped calls at the TSP's customer service center, lack of access to historical documents, beneficiary designations, and financial information. All problems with the new My Account platform. The Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board launched the system June 1st, but now many of the problems are getting more attention on Capitol Hill. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman spoke with D.C. Delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton about why the TSP issues have been a priority for her. Well, this has been such a priority for me because, uh, first of all, many of my constituents are federal employees and retirees and are directly affected. Of course, this affects uh, federal employees all across the country, Uh, but this problem has been so severe that I had a conversation with the director of the Federal Retirement Thrift Savings Board and asked for weekly updates on improvements in the system. He's going to be sending me these weekly updates and I'm going to be putting them out. Other federal employees can know about problems and the problems have been very severe. When you can't get access to your retirement savings at a time like this, and taxes being taken out of your accounts erroneously, you know you have a severe problem. Uh, I am so concerned about the problems that uh, though Congress is out of session at the moment, I am thinking of seeking a House hearing, certainly if improvements do not occur quickly. Do you have a timeline for that? How soon are you asking for these problems to be resolved? And at what point would you actually go to seek a House hearing? The reason that I'm asking for weekly updates is to give me give me the ability to set a real timeline. So I haven't had the first weekly update yet, but that will enable me to set a timeline for when all of this has to be improved. And in those weekly updates... You know, what will you be looking for in terms of changes? What what would be a satisfying thing to hear from the board in terms of resolving some of these issues? Well, the problem has been with the online uh, system that they have moved to. The weekly updates will tell me uh, whether they are improving is not so much hearing from them as hearing from my own constituents. But the weekly updates from them will also factor in. Do you have any stories or anecdotes of things that you've heard from your constituents about these issues with the TSP and, and you know, what what are they saying that they're most concerned about here? Oh, I <laughs> have I heard stories not being able, for example, to get beneficiary information. Perhaps one of the worst stories is taxes being <laughs> taken from their accounts. Uh, and at at a moment like this, uh, I'm also hearing that retirees don't have access to their their retirement savings. This is very serious. That's why the weekly updates are so important. So many of these are my own constituents. Of course, this affects federal employees nationwide. Have you also uh, discussed this at all with your colleagues in the House or any potential plans there to address the issues uh, beyond holding a hearing? I will be discussing this with my colleagues in the House 
based on these updates I receive because at the moment I'm thinking about asking for a house hearing. One of the things I'll be wanting to know from my house colleagues is whether they're experiencing the same thing. Right, and and I just also wanted to ask, at this point, you have reached out to the board multiple times. You've you've heard back from them in this call, and as well as the letter that the board wrote to you a few weeks ago. Are you satisfied with the way that the board has responded to your requests? Are you pushing for more answers from them, and have you seen any progress? Well, I'm satisfied that they did respond very quickly and that they agreed to uh, weekly updates. So their problems with the new online system uh, they understand have caused great uh, issues for my my constituents, and I am satisfied uh, with the weekly updates allowing me to track improvements. Any other message that you would want to send to your constituents about you know those who are concerned, who are invested in TSP currently? I want my constituents to know that I got on this immediately because I think the hardship to constituents is uh, is overwhelming and that I was able to get immediate response from the board. I'd also want them to know that um, their congresswoman is getting weekly updates so that they can be assured uh, that they should be in touch with me if they don't see improvement. Great. So this is something that you're planning to continue following until until the, you hear more from the board. Is that correct? Every week, every single week. Congress is out of session this week, but every single week. I will measure improvements. That will tell me whether I need to ask for a House hearing. D.C. Congressional Delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton speaking with Federal News Network's Drew Friedman. And Drew joins me now to talk about what else she's seeing, responses to the challenges with this thrift savings plan. This has really been a kind of a disaster, you might say, Drew. Besides Eleanor Holmes Norton, are other people on Capitol Hill starting to get concerned about this? We have seen a little bit of discussion there uh, from Maryland Senator Chris Van Hollen. He also wrote a letter to the board similar to Norton. That was a couple of weeks ago. And he was calling for similar things and shared some of the similar concerns that she had. He said he was asking for answers about how the board is planning to address these really long hold times for thrift line, which is the customer service line, while participants are having a lot of these tech issues and other problems with information in their account. We've seen the board staff up their call center by 66% in the last couple of weeks, but at their last board meeting, they did say that they were still having a lot of wait time problems. Got it. And so we should point out nobody's lost their investments. I mean, all of the history and all of the investments and all of their funds themselves are safe. It's just access is the issue. That's exactly right. So the board has really reiterated that anything going further back than 10 years in your financial history is not just going to be accessible through my account. That's something that you're going to have to specifically request, whereas before that all of that was available. So the data is there on the back end, but it's just not there to see right away. But the board just really wants to to reiterate that it is there. It is there on their end. And any talk from the board of simply rolling back and restarting the old system until they get the new one fixed? Seems very unlikely at this point. It looks like they're pushing forward with the new system and just working on resolving some of those issues. So, you know, staffing up their call center. They're also potentially looking at having their vendor for the new record keeper attend a future board meeting as sort of a lessons learned 
type of conversation talking about what are some of the sources of these issues? Why was some of this so unexpected? They did expect some of the problems with wait times going up, but it wasn't nearly what what they thought it would be. So you could end up with a horribly long wait time for TSP data, and then you need that for the IRS, and then wait having a horribly long wait time at the IRS. Yeah, that's right. I've you know I've heard from some participants saying that they're waiting. <laughs> Six, seven, eight hours, sometimes nine on the phone. So, you know, there are some of those. The board has said, I think their average wait time is about 45 minutes now, but some are waiting for many hours at a time. Well, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Maybe they should put the Wagner ring cycle on hold music. At least people can be entertained for eight or nine hours. Yeah, that could maybe that could help some people while they're waiting on the phone. And I guess the other question is why anybody wants to check their TSP given the state of the stock market. Not a question we can answer here today. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. And check out all of her reporting on TSP at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, I'm WIPA CEO Shane Canfield, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Lessons in Leadership. I'm honored to be joined by Angie Bailey, founder and CEO of Ananda Life. Angie has a remarkable career in public service beginning as a GS2 clerk typist with the Social Security Administration. And over the next 40 years, Angie steadily worked her way up through the government, ultimately becoming the Chief Human Capital Officer at the Department of Homeland Security. She's been recognized with presidential rank awards by two administrations for leadership, innovation, dedication, and commitment to the country. Angie, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Shane. What a pleasure to be here. Angie, you've made quite a name for yourself as a leader in the federal workforce. Who was the first person you remember looking up to as a leader? And what about them inspired you? You I often think about this because, you know, sometimes we think of the people that we look up to the most as being somebody that throughout our career has, you know, been at the highest levels and all. But, you know, I've got to go back to honestly, whenever I was 10 years old, and uh, I remember I really wanted to play Little League baseball on a boys team. I was the only girl. And interestingly, it was the women who would keep saying to me that, no, I couldn't play. And then one day, whenever I was there to sign up yet again, uh, there was this guy, his name was Delbert Beiser. And uh, I remember he had like red hair and he had a wad of tobacco in his mouth and greasy overhauls and everything. And he said, you know, I'll take her, I'll take her on my team. And, you know, just looking back on that, there are so many leadership lessons and things that I just really admire about him. And actually, I thought about throughout my entire career, he took a chance on somebody he didn't know. He um, put aside whatever conscious or unconscious biases that he might have had about having a girl on a team. He treated me the same. Uh, Whether, you know, if I wasn't performing, I got benched just like the boys. I got no special treatment. and, and, And he was just really honest with me. And he just included me in everything. And so looking back on it, you know, really, it was Delbert Beiser, our local mechanic in our little small village that was I think my inspiration for going on to, I hope, become the leader, um, you know, that that I wanted to be. I'd say half of the guests on this podcast have had similar stories where they reach back to either childhood or young adulthood. And And I think as leaders, it's really incumbent upon us to keep that in mind, that that what we say and do. especially in the younger ages, really can have a lifelong impact. How would you describe your leadership style? And and how has that developed over time? 
I would say that the one word that describes my leadership style is that I care. Um, I guess that's more than one word, but I care. Uh, I, I've always cared about the mission. I've always cared about the people. I've always cared, you know, about making sure that that they had what they needed or that they were developing the way, uh, you know, that they aspired to develop. And I tried to take this approach of not treating people the way I wanted to be treated, but instead treat people the way they wanted they want to be treated. And I think that that really kind of developed over my career. You know, I started out just like most leaders do, where it's very results driven. It's all about the bottom line. You need to make sure that you get everything accomplished because, you know, that's what everybody's looking for, the goals, the metrics, et cetera. But I think as you mature and you go along, you start to, to your point, you draw back on those early childhood days or early adult young, you know, whenever you're a young adult and you say, you know, I think that there's a little bit more to this than just the bottom line. And so over time, I really began to, I, I think, see a much bigger picture and the entire ecosystem, if you will, and how the people themselves fit into all of this. And that ultimately, at the end of the day, it was all about the people. And so, I, you know, I think my, my maturity allowed me to then shift and focus more on the people than, than so much on results and bottom line. You've been recognized with two presidential rank awards two different administrations. You founded your own company. Tell us a little bit more about your background from the beginning and, and how did that lead you to where you are today? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting, like you said, that I started out as a GS2, a Social Security Administration. I mean, what I really wanted to be was a criminal prosecuting attorney. It's, that's That was absolutely my dream. I sometimes joke and say what I really wanted to be was a mafia don, but that wasn't going to work out. So, you know, had to be a criminal prosecuting attorney. But, you know, I had to get a job to pay for college. I, you know, it wasn't in the cards that I was going to be able to go to college without a job. So I applied at the Social Security Administration, or I'm sorry, at the unemployment office, and lo and behold, I got a job at Social Security. I didn't even know it was federal, to be honest. Uh, from there, I went to the Department of Defense, and I found this, this career field called labor and employee relations. And honestly, it was as close as I was going to get to being a criminal prosecuting attorney. I didn't go on to be a, a criminal prosecuting attorney, but I went on courtesy of the Department of Defense to get both my bachelor's and my master's in leadership, because the whole study of leadership, I just find incredibly fascinating. Um, you know, from hi historical to current, uh, current times, I just, it's just something that's just really fascinated me. And so I just, I would say I'm a lifelong learner of leadership. And then I would say some of the other things that got me maybe where I am today is I never really said no to anything. If people asked me to take on a new challenge, even if I wasn't sure I was going to be successful at it, I would say, you know what, not sure this is going to work out, but more than happy to give it a try. And it always worked out. But I think giving things a try and just not saying no to opportunities is what really led from one position to the next. I feel like I was always rewarded for just stepping in or stepping up and taking on the challenges that sometimes no one else wanted to do. Angie, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Shane. It's such a pleasure. I, I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Thank you. This has been the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm CEO of WEPA, Shane Canfield. Looking forward to talking to you next time. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. 
Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. Ricola. It's in our nature. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.